Welcome to ALFC's Message of the Week. Pastor Steve brings an impacting word of grace, boundaries, and forgiveness. You know, we're continuing our series, and last week, Sin is Messy. And we're continuing to look at uh, this next, really it's a continuation as we pick it up at verse 9 uh, through 13. I'm going to kind of break this up a little bit. Let me tell you, this has been one of those things that um, I, you know, every now and then you come across messages and you think, gee, I'm going to go through, you know, like uh, a book of the Bible or uh, this is really technically a letter. And then you come up to passages like this and then you regret committing yourself to going through the entire passage, right? And you think, how could I skip this, right? <laughs> because this is one of those things that, um, and, and no kidding, I, I wouldn't want to skip it because actually I'm very passionate about this subject. Because if there's any one thing that I have seen uh, uh, injurious in the life of the church, and that's judgmentalism. And how, and I'm going to be very straightforward with you today, because I don't think the church does this very well uh, when it comes to this whole understanding of what this means. I'm going to try to help you understand what the Word of God is talking about and how it is that we appropriately deal with sin that is taking place in the world and in our own lives and in the lives of others, perhaps. Um, this is one of the reasons why a lot of people don't go to church. And when I talk to people, you'll hear things like, well, that, you know, churches, I just had this conversation like two weeks ago. I was talking to someone, uh, just kind of an acquaintance, and said, hey, you should come to church. And, and the guy was kind of straightforward with me, and he said, well, you know, I, I just, you know, I get it. And he said, I probably won't come. He says, I just, I, and he just shared with me kind of church hurt, and he said, my memory of church is just a lot of judgment. <clears throat> and he says, I feel like, I feel, and he was kidding, you know, you've probably heard this, man, if I walk in the front door, the place is going to blow up. Yeah. And I said, probably not. You might blow up, but we won't blow up. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be okay. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think when it comes to these kinds of things, uh, we just don't do this as well as I think we could. And hopefully I'm going to challenge you today to process this and think about the whole idea of, so what do we do? Because, again, there, there was a problem going on in the, in the Corinthian church. And so God is writing to, to a church saying, listen, this thing's going on, and we need to, you, know, you need to do something about it, but you need to do it the right way. I think, again, the problem is we read this, but we forget the rest of the word. And there's so much more going on, and I've seen people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention this, uh, a couple other passages where people just take stuff out of context, they don't apply it very well, um, and I think we make a lot of, lot of mistakes when it comes to this uh, kind of situation. So kind of bear with me, try not to, I'm going to encourage you to listen to you know, what we have, to, what we're going to go through today, and don't close your mind off or you know, you know, you know, tune out or space out until we've had a chance to really look at this. So let's go ahead and pick it up at verse 9. Let's, let's read these first few, uh, and then we'll go through verse 11, then we're going to break it up and go to 12 and 13. So when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or who are greedy or are swindlers or idol worshipers. Um, you would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. What I meant was, see, and I love that. I mean, he's saying you would have to take a, you know, you'd have to go schedule, you know, a trip in a spaceship and go live on, you know, you know, uh, and out, but of course, the minute you get out there, <laughs> guess what's going to come? 
So there's just really nowhere to go. But he says, what I meant was that you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a Christian, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or a drunkard, or a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. And you've got to understand what that is saying. Is, is There's a lot of information there because, and I'm reading this from a New Living Translation. I love how that read. It just, I think, explains a lot of it. But first of all, you have to realize this is not the first time that this has been brought to the church. Uh, if you look at biblical archaeology and you study um, uh, just the whole scheme of information that we have, matter of fact, I was just watching this program and they found another a fragment of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Can you see into that? That is so exciting. And the technology, they were showing this technology where they hit it with like 16 different spectrums of light so you can't see it with the eye and all of a sudden you could read it like it was like right on my uh, iPad. It was like absolutely amazing. And by the way, if you're going with us to Israel, we're going to go to the very spot, which is Qumran, where they found this, and you can actually see the fragments, the real thing, if you go to Israel. But you have to go to Israel with us. So anyway, there's information on the app and on the website so that you could go to Israel with us. But it was so amazing when you think about And so there was a lost letter, and we all know that, that there was something else written to the Corinthian church that was giving instruction, but we don't have that letter. So by implication, we know that there was something other than just First Corinthians here. There was something previous to this that, uh, unfortunately, we don't have right now. Maybe we'll find it someday. Maybe when you're in Israel, we'll find it together. Can you say amen to that? We'll go digging for stuff. And uh, so what's happening is basically the church had disobeyed uh, something of really, uh, you know, this, this word, this of instruction that it's not about that. It's impossible not to associate with people who are sinners in the world. I mean, and, and obviously there's a correction here, and they were confusing and getting everything mixed up because the specifics of this was addressing to those of us who are believers. Because, see, our responsibility is to go into the world and share this amazing message. And I, I like the term pre-Christians. You know, I, I prefer to say everyone around me is a pre If you're not a Christian, you're a pre-Christian. Can you say something that? Because somehow going to someone saying, you know what, you are going to hell person is probably not the way you want to approach people. Is anyone know that? And so, you know, or, or something like that. So you want to say, man, you know what? I care about you and I love you. And, and you know, I'm just going to believe in the positive that you're going to come and know Jesus. So hence pre-Christian. And so he's saying, you know, our job is to bring this amazing message of hope and love and faith and, and, and just talk about Jesus and help people come to know and understand that. Um, and, and, be able to live, but you can't, and we don't want to hide from that. You see, the enemy is isolation. Somehow, I think what was happening, and you actually, there are a number of, uh, you know, I, I don't know if uh, Professor Larry's going to talk about this, but the, uh, there's a number of groups that, uh, in our history where they really tried to remove themselves and live uh, sort of behind the walls and have nothing to do with the world. See, again, they misunderstood and misapplied uh, passages like this, and they got, and so here's what they're thinking. Well, we just can't hang out with anyone who is involved in sin. So let's build really high walls, and let's go behind those walls, shut the door, and have nothing to do with anybody. Now, that's not what God wants us to do. Can you say something that? God wants us to bring a message, to talk to people 
about this amazing, we have been given a command, right? This is not like an option. And you might, if you don't know that command, you can refer to Matthew 28, verse, let's start verse 18 through 20. And really, the Lord says, go. It wasn't say, will you please think about going or would you might maybe go? It says, go. It's a very definite, you know, if you're in the military, it was a lawful order given to us by our Lord, who is, you know, head of all, of all things, and said, go and bring this message. So we can never stop doing that. Even though it may not always be easy, we can never stop doing that. And we don't want to hide behind the walls of fear. We don't want to hide behind the walls of, you know, protection, because we don't want that. We, we want to be right there bringing the message of Jesus. So basically, this passage gives you a short, what I would call a short list of sins. I mean, again, the misapplication. Well, these are the only sins we need to deal with here. That's not what this is saying. But it's kind of like, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when you write something, you don't want to, you know, give them everything because that would take like 10 pages worth of listing an exhaustive list of every sin, right? That's not what this is doing. It's just listing uh, uh, several things. But the challenge for us as believers who claim to be believers, okay? So in other words, the passage is writing to you and I who are believers in Jesus and that we have made it clear to the world around us and yet we knowingly involve ourselves in sin that is, again, forbidden in God's Word. But here's what we do is we rationalize it. We try to validate it. We try to say things like, and there's all kinds of things that we can say, and again, let me tell you, the, the biggest challenge, here's what's going to get in the way. Pride. Yeah. I mean, this is where pride comes in. And this is where our moral weakness comes in. This is where our emotional immaturities come in. And I got to tell you, I see, I see a lot of immaturity, uh, you know, especially when people uh, cross these lines. I think there's a lack of discipline, mental, emotional, spiritual discipline. So here it is. When, this is the hard thing. When you become a believer, you have made a commitment to follow Jesus and not just when it's convenient. Yes. And how do you know when you follow Jesus? It's by reading God's Word. Because this, this is a guidebook, but it's more than just a guidebook. I'm going I'm to mention this in a moment. Because there's so much more here. I think to say this is your navigation is only part of the picture. You see, a lot of what you and I have to understand is the holiness of God. And we're really talking about the holiness. I love the concept of God who is a holy God and who, has set, and who has called us to be set apart. Now, again, when I say that, not set apart from the world, but set apart as created in the very image of God. So here's, here's something we've got to understand. If we fail to take sin seriously, then you know what? We fail to take the holiness of God seriously. What you're saying is, if, if, if I can go ahead and do what I want to do, you are indirectly saying, I realize you're not saying it right you know, out there, but you're saying, you know what? The holiness of God isn't that big of a deal. It's kind of like out there, and I think a lot of people see it as like a program running in the background, elevator music, or something along that, 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 that idea where, okay, so the holiness of God, yeah, I don't even want to overthink that because that's so overwhelming and big and large. And yet, if you and I don't understand this, then we're really saying, 
well, you know what, God's word, we're minimizing God's word. We're invalidating and dismissing the holiness of God. Um, we're saying the image of God is, is not that important. And that we are willing to create a distortion of what the Christian life really is like. And let me tell you something, it lacks integrity when we don't get this. It, it is something, I believe it's dangerous for eternity. You know, you think that in some of this behavior and things, you are actually endangering your eternity. Let me tell you, we as a church, we did it this morning. We're responsible to pray and to love and to talk. I feel like I'm just talking with you right now, though you can't talk back. Can you say amen to that? (laughs) We'd never get anything done if you started talking back, right? But... We're bringing a challenge and a correction because here's, here's our goal. Restoration. Reconciliation. Redemption. These are the things that we want to think about and this is what we want to bring. You know, the Word of God says, after all, I the Lord am your God. You must be holy because I am holy. And then he adds on Leviticus here, says uh, Leviticus 11, do not defile yourselves. In other words, it's the same thing we're talking about right now. We, we read earlier 1 Corinthians from chapter 3. Do you not know that you're God's temple? Right? We talked about that. Inside of us is the Holy Spirit. And, and God's Spirit dwells in you. Right? So if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Okay, let's review. So here's the thing I want you to understand. I, I'm going I'm to... You need to think about this, but I want you to really nail this down. You have been created in the image of God, and for those of us who have received Jesus as Savior, you have been given a moral responsibility. You have been given a responsibility to understand what is morally correct and right and to live that way. And so we trust and obey the commands of God that have been given to us. Well, you think, well, how in the world am I supposed to know the commands of God? I have a good idea, like the Bible. But here's what a lot of us do. We don't do that, and you rely on someone like me to give it all to you. You know, if you come and listen to me for the next 30 years, one day a week, I won't be able to get it all to you. I'll try. (laughs) But we got to do this together, right? So we got to be a team in our understanding of this. Secondly, we're created to be in a relationship with God. So we have a relational responsibility to God. You ever thought about that? You have a responsibility. It's not just God to you, but us to God. And what that means is that we are, here's the crazy thing, we have the ability to really know God. We have the ability to have this amazing relation with Him. And there's a responsibility that goes with that. I mean, you know, I, I, you know if you want to be a friend, then you've got to be a friend, right? I mean, you've got to take effort, you've got to take time, you've got to be available. Same thing's true with God. I think, again, I think we forget that it requires some effort on our part to move into and have this relation with God. Because, again, we all act like we have no responsibility in us, like God's going to do all the work for us. I want to be clear, God, God can do anything. He's everywhere all the time. He's all-powerful and all-knowing. But you still have a responsibility with this. Are you with me on that? Okay. Pastor said, Pastor Ken said, Amen. Can someone else say, Amen? Amen. Okay, now I know you're with me. And then 
the third thing I want to remind you is that we're created to be represent, uh, representatives of God's message and purposes on earth. So you're, you are a steward. You are a manager of what God has given us. And so we have been created in the image of God, and therefore we have this amazing thing called the holiness of God within us. So this is what this is addressing, that we can't therefore ignore the things that are going on, especially within our own midst. Okay, look with me in verse 12 and 13. Let's continue on. It says, uh, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your job to judge those inside the church who are sinning in these ways. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. Okay, now we're really getting into some of the problematic stuff. Because once again, this is where I got to tell you, we got to be careful. Because I think we have deserved the reputation that we've gotten as being judgmental. Yes. And this is not about being judgmental. This is not, the word isn't talking about going to a court of law like you would, you know, sue someone. That, that's a whole nother concept here. This is not that. You are not called to be attorneys to go after people or be prosecutors and go after people. This is not, what this is saying is basically the word has to do with uh, doing an evaluation, an analysis, a discernment of what's going on around you. Now, it's translated judge, but again, it's one of those kinds of words that, again, we, we misapply it and we don't, because again, you've got to think about the importance. So listen to these other passages for a second. Because these apply as well. This doesn't nullify Proverbs 27, 6. The wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Let, God, let the godly strike me. It will be a kindness if you correct me. It is soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. Revelation 3. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Um, you know, Matthew uh, 21, verse 18. So they're leaving the city. They're hungry, Jesus and the disciples. And they saw a fig tree by the road. He came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. He said to it, let no fruit grow on it, on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. So you begin to see that there's a, a lot of these things are not understood because the whole point of everything we're talking about is because we love one another. Because we care about one another. And this is all about us right now. This is not something we're talking about to the world outside of us. We're talking about how it is we interact with one another and begin to understand that, you know, we have, you're a believer in Jesus. So you have this amazing, genuine, real, authentic relationship with Jesus. And you've got this thing called extended family. You're sitting in a room right now with your extended family. And then you got this thing of responsibility, get out there and share the gospel message of Jesus. And then we got this thing going on where the word is saying, and we got to take care of each other. We just can't ignore what's going on around us. Because to do that means maybe I really don't love you and care about you. Why would I watch you do something that would cause harm to yourself or others and not ever say anything? Now, we're going to talk about how you say it. Because again, one of the biggest mistakes we make is we treat this like a 911 call. It's like, oh my God, I have to deal with this right now. I can't tell you how many calls I have gotten 
as a pastor where people have called and they've just found something out. And it's like, you're going to do something about it right now. Now, I want you to know I love you. But I'm not going to let you intimidate me or move me in a way that's inappropriate. See, I figure you've been living with this long, for a long time anyway, so another day or two isn't going to matter. Can you say amen to that? You know, I remember when I went to the doctor. You know, you know I had, my, my back was in bad shape. I was in a lot of pain for years. I went to the doctor, finally went to the doctor, right? And as I went limping in and he did his thing, he said, yep, yep, you got, you got a lot of problems back there. <laughs> I said, great. He said, I, and I tried everything. He says, yep, yep. And he looked at me and says, I can fix you. Oh, hallelujah. I said, okay, tomorrow. <laughs> and the doctor said, tomorrow? No, in three months. I said, three months? I mean, you, this is, I looked at him and said, I am hurting. Can we not get this sooner? Can you put me on a standby? You know, some, he said, no, we'll schedule you. You'll do this in three months. He said, it's okay. And he said, you've lived with us this long. Another few months won't matter. <laughs> well, not to you, maybe. <laughs> but that's kind of how it works. And you have to be patient. And I had to continue to, and, but again, there were things I was doing and whatnot. And then eventually, and here's the crazy part, surgery came. I'm done. And the doctor said, no, it's going to take you nine months now to fully recover. But, God, I want instant. I, I want this right away. Come on, what kind of a doctor are you? I mean, he, he was an amazing doctor. And he did everything he was supposed to do. But now, I want you to see the parallel to that. You know, people come to me um, in my private practice and, and ask me and, and share with me, and I, I will do an assessment and look at them. And I'll say something like, you know what? This is fixable. And, and they say the same thing I said to my doctor. Well, okay. What can you do right now? And well, we're done in an hour, and everything's going to be okay. And then I say something like, no, this is really fixable, but it may take us a couple years. Right. See, they look at me like you're looking at me right now. <laughs> I thought you knew what you were doing. <laughs> I want you to understand that just because you come across something doesn't mean you have to jump on it right away and say and, and be, be mean, be inappropriate, be disrespectful, to be unloving, to lack empathy. Now, again, I realize there's a lot of bad things out there, and I know because there's a really amazing bad list here, but we have been called to deal with something that requires maturity and discernment and you need to be really careful. Right. Just because you read this word doesn't mean you go, you know, practice tomorrow. You know, some of us, you need to be just really listen here and be very careful. Because I don't want the world around us, nor do I want us to ever look like a judgmental place. Or a place that's so legalistic that no one can come in and breathe. Like somehow everyone comes in who's got a problem, it's 911, and we treat them like they're 911 you know, problems, and they've got to do something, and if they don't do it right away, then there's something wrong with you? Are you with me so far? Well, some of you don't like that. That's okay. I can tell by the look on your face. 
But I want you to really think about this, because this is what the Word of God's instructing us on. There's been too many (sighs) mistakes, bad things done in in a judgmental way. We're not going there, but we're also not going to ignore our sin. Because the holiness of God is a big deal. I mean, I believe that. My whole life, I mean, I, when I received Jesus, man, I have studied and I believe the, and value and love the holiness of God, and that's imparted into my life. So we, are, we do need at times to evaluate and assess and discern things. Let, let me read Matthew to you, chapter 7, uh, first. It says, this is, this, is the, this is one of those phrases that has been so misquoted. Judge not that you be not judged. See, here's the other extreme now. So now, you know, there's that judgmentalism. Now there's like, I'm not going to judge anything. I can't ever say anything, right? For what, what judgment you judge will be judged. You will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Can you say oy vey to that? <laughs> I mean, you read that and you go, oh, that's what I do. I go, I mean, that's a very powerful passage, right? And it says, so, and, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? All right, that's it. I'm done. I'm never saying another word, right? That's kind of what you think that that's saying. And that's not what that's saying. I mean, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? And I love this right? Hypocrite. The dreaded words. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I mean, I think that's okay because I want to make sure you can clearly see what you're doing because if you don't do it, you might hurt my eye. So get rid of the plank and then work on the speck. But I want you to see something. Both are important. The speck and the plank both need to be removed. It's just a little bit difficult to remove a speck when you got a plank in your eye. I'm not going to let you operate on my eye with a plank in, in the eye because you can't see what you're doing. So the word creo in the Greek, which is we translate judge, it re- really means to evaluate, do an analysis. Um, again, it's there's a negative application to it. Here's the other in this. It refers to private judgmental attitudes that tear down others in order to build oneself up. Now let me say that's the negative. So let me say it again. I want you to get this. This is what we're not going to do. We are not going to have a judgmental attitude that tears down others in order to build ourselves up. Okay, I, I'm going to, that is sin. <laughs> that's a bad thing. And that's exactly what it's saying. In other words, judge not is not referring, again, we're not going to court here. This is not some legal thing. This is, and we're not going to tear down others in order to build ourselves up so we look good. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people, I want you to hear this, who are very insecure, who want to tear down other people up because they think they'll feel better. And that's a lot of the immaturity that goes on in human beings, is that if I can make you feel miserable, then I'll feel better about myself. Because you're doing really well, and I don't want you to do well, so let me see what I can do to help myself feel better. Now, that's a point that you've got to look inward and think about yourself. And every one of us in this room needs to process that. I do. You do. And if you're sitting here and thinking, oh, no, I never do that, then 
we should talk. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, Jesus, I mean, Jesus exposed false teachers. He dealt with these things. He admonished people. I mean, it, you know, when you're a follower of Jesus, you're not here to condemn people. You're here to let the whole, let me say this, to let the Holy Spirit convict people. Right. Notice I said Holy Spirit. Yes. And you don't need to be a helper of the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's something I figured out. The Holy Spirit really doesn't need your help. I know you think it does. Because a lot of us function that way. But you really, you know, the Spirit of God can do it all with, you know, without you. And sometimes it's an amazing thing to let the Holy Spirit do it so that, you know, it'll be done in a way that's in the spirit of love. Can you see me of that? Not in the spirit of condemnation. Right. The uh, judge not that you be not judged is so misquoted. And again, I think, especially where we live in today, is somehow this is a command against any judgment. That somehow if we quote that passage, and I've had people, uh, I've had these conversations where this was quoted as if to say, how can you ever have a judgment on anything? because that's what the scripture says. In reality, this is Jesus giving us a negative application to the golden rule that he will speak of in just a couple verses when he says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. You can read that for yourself in verse 12. And so really it's kind of saying this, it's a negative of, of a positive. And that's part of the teaching. That's how the rabbis taught at that time. That's nothing weird. He's not trying to be confusing. He's trying to get you and I to do this amazing thing. Think. Process. Understand. And then here's the kind of crazy thing. Then you talk it through. You just don't think you've got it all figured out. So that's why, that's why hopefully you're sitting here going, okay, Pastor Steve, help us out. And I'm helping you out, but I'm not going to do it for you. Can you see a minute of that? So at some point, you've got you to keep the ball rolling. There was a, a high school teacher that I'm acquainted with that um, I, 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 used to, you know, I used to teach in, in high school, and I have some people that I'm acquainted with. And he, he was teaching a, a top, the topic of ethics. Now, this picture is kind of disturbing. It, it, this was in Time Magazine in 2011. And if you look at it, this is a, this is a 16-year-old female. And he, he chose this picture in particular because it will relate to the high school students. And this is Bibi uh, uh, Aisha. And Bibi was, uh, uh, and again, an associated with the Taliban. And uh, she was sold by her parents to a husband. And he was abusive. You know, a terrible, horrible, awful kind of situation. So she tried to run away. And so she tried to leave. And she was trying to actually escape to, uh, to an American, uh, try to get over and asylum and all that kind of stuff. Amazing. I mean, at, at such a young age, at 16. Anyway, she got caught, dragged back. And basically, uh, her parents, uh, to punish her, they were going to kill her. And so they cut off her nose and her ears and left her out in the woods to die. And so you can see the picture of her in Time magazine. That was, that's what she looked like. And then you can see the other picture, which is actually one of, uh, a year ago. I found a picture of her a year ago, and uh, she's been through so much. And now 
um, she looks so much better, and, and a lot has happened to her. And, and I was reading the article, and, and she has spent all this time dealing with the wounds and the scars emotionally, spiritually, of what has happened. So this is a horrible thing. So the teacher said, uh, look at the picture, and was just wanting to see, we're talking about ethics, what would their response be? And it was interesting, the response of these teenagers, it's this, somehow, and, and he, I asked them, so what did they say? He said, here's the problem, they didn't say anything. He said they became timid, and he said they seemed confused to me. Because when he, and he, he pushed the issue to get them into the discussion, and he said one student said, and I, and I thought it was interesting, one student says, well, we might not like that, but maybe over there it's okay. And another student said, well, you know, it's just really wrong to judge other cultures. And I thought, wow. Yeah. I mean, not every student, but a lot of the students struggled with, and I think a lot of us struggle, I mean, there should be moral outrage at something like that. There's a lot of things going on where somehow we have decided that it's somehow wrong to declare that what's going on is wrong. Because now you're not being tolerant. You're not being, you know, compromising. You're not, you know, being politically correct. You know what? We've become numb. We have become numb to any form of judgment against any moral offense. And let me tell you something. That is dangerous. Because if we don't speak out to what is wrong around us, especially within our midst. Listen, we're talking about right here at home. If we ignore people doing bad things and declaring themselves to be, you know, this Christian, I mean, if the message is what right do we have to judge anyone or anything and that somehow we are never to judge, never to criticize, never to take a position. I mean, besides, didn't we just read, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but do not notice the log in your own eye. Or how can we say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the, log is, while the log is in your own eye? Another version of the same thing. See, Jesus is pointing out, let me tell you what the message is. All sin is wrong, small or large. Sin is wrong. And so we don't even want to say the word. I mean, you know, I, I was talking, my wife and I were talking and she says, does anyone even use the word sin anymore? I mean, somehow we're afraid even to say something like that. Now, in our own midst, we might we understand that. But again, it's become such a harsh word, right? It's such a dangerous word. But here's the point with Jesus saying both need to be dealt with. Both need to be dealt with. Both are important. But then look at Galatians. My friends, if anyone uh, is... Uh, detected in a transgression, which is a fancy word for sin, you have received the Spirit, you who have received, capital S, Spirit, should restore such a one in a spirit of what? Now, there's something there. It doesn't say in a spirit of harshness, or in a spirit of judgment, or in a spirit of criticism, or a spirit of condemnation. This is a spirit of judgment. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Only those who are spiritually mature can discern when and how to confront the sin in others. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? 
Well, you don't. That's God's job. So he's talking about, at the end, who's going to judge the world? Jesus, right? That, that's the end of it. But while we're here on planet Earth, how are we going to take care of the extended family? And this is what he's talking about, how important it is, again, not to become judgmental. I'm dealing, I deal with this every week. I hear of the wounds of churches because I've had people coming in. Listen, I've heard this a lot, and I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I'm dealing with several cases right now where part of their life is, and they've said the words, I've really been hurt by the church. Let me tell you something. I'm a pastor. I've really been hurt by the church. I get it. I'm still here. Amen. You know, it's kind of part of life. That's part of the process of dealing with life. And so, you know, we work through that. We don't run away from it. And again, this is the danger of this. Listen, when you are dealing with this, you're not here to attack someone's personality. You're not here to attack the end of, You're here to deal with what is often a behavior that we call sin that needs to change in their life. Now, there may be something really unhealthy in the core of who they are. But let me tell you, who is the one who's going to deal with that? We just got done reading it. The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. And again, I want to remind you, the Holy Spirit really doesn't need your help. I think what happens a lot of times, the church makes us into, really they call it sin, but it's really a personality issue. It is often something else. And so I think, again, that's one of the reasons why we don't look very good. Right? I, I want people to know that we are real. We are authentic. And we're not here to be hypocrites, but we're here to just really love people. But at sometimes we have to say the words, what you're doing isn't right. And because I care about you, if you keep going down this path, you're in danger. You're, you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. You're hurting the church. You're injuring the holiness of God. And, and, we, and that ought to have some... I mean, you think about it, the very nature of sin it is deadly. It is not private. It has corporate and community impact. Um... And, and, and how do we know sin? Through the Word of God. That's how we understand it. That's how we discern it through the Word. This is not something you, and I was thinking about this, this is not something that you have intuition about. You know, I feel like you need to come back and line up with the Word of God because what you might be feeling, I know this is a crazy idea, but you know what? Your feelings aren't always accurate. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> and so we have to realize that it's not about a feeling, it's about what's fact, what's real here. That's one of the reasons why I think the Word says, find someone who's mature in this. And, and be careful if you have decided you're mature in this. <laughs> I mean, there's something, again, you've got to be careful. See, sin attacks and tries, but fails, to assault the holiness of God. I mean, what, what, is, what is it? It's a violation of values, of of morals, of, of, of standards, of the practices of faith. Now, the very purpose of the Word is to help us understand who God is, to help us know and understand Him and His purpose. Let me tell you something. It is a guide. It is a standard for 
the practice of our faith. But here's also what it is. It helps us know to the deepest level who God is. The Word of God is there to bring into our lives a new depth of understanding of this relationship. It's not just a guidebook. And I want you to understand that. It's, it's intended to help us really know intimately. The Hebrew, yada, is where it comes from. To know, not just to know in terms of cognitively, but to know it relationally and spiritually. And then we have this kind of ongoing mission, which is to witness to the world around us and to let people know, you know what, we're authentic and this is real. So let me ask, when is it okay to say something? Okay, can I have the next slide, please? Can I have the next slide, please? So let me just read this to you. We may talk to another Christian about their sin when it's obvious, blatant, and they're unrepentant. We first pray and then validate our actions according to God's Word. And then after examining ourselves and having checked in with the Lord about our attitudes and heart, and then after listening and being cleared by the Holy Spirit and checking in with other mature believers, then we proceed to talk to another about their sin out of love, care, and concern. Is that clear? <laughs> in other words, you just don't jump in. If you do all that, then I think there's an opportunity to do this well and to do it in a way that is caring as opposed to, I mean, have you ever done this where you, you know, spoke, you know, your mouth got moving before your brain was engaged? I mean, how many times have I had to apologize for saying something that I didn't want to say, but I said it. And once a, wor a word spoken is like an arrow. Once it's gone, it's gone. And once it's landed, it's landed. And sometimes it hits the heart and does serious damage. That's why you want to be slow in this. That's why you don't want to <laughs> put it on Facebook right away. <laughs> That's why you don't want to just I just had this. I saw this yesterday. Someone shared with me a, a, a post, and, I, and it was just so hurt, and I felt so bad. And I said, I'm sorry. And I know the person just didn't mean it, but they just didn't think. And this is someone out in the church. It was someone outside, but I just, it was like, oh. <laughs> can I tell you something? The person that we're talking about in this chapter 5, right, the guy who is in big sin, if you go to chapter, the, the second letter in Corinthians in chapter 2, guess what happens? Verses 5 through 11. He's restored. He's redeemed. They did everything really well. And they handled it appropriately. And what we would hope happened, he stopped doing what he was doing, went back in, into the community, and I just got to believe. And, and it didn't happen overnight. And I think it was done in a way that was so appropriate for this situation that the result speaks for itself. There was redemption. He's a man of that. That's what I hope for. That's what we want to hope for, is that the result will be good. 
know, the, the Word of God tells us that he'll give us a comforter. Doesn't he? It doesn't say, I'll give you another condemner. Let's be really careful about that, okay? Are you with me on this? I am. Um, <laughs> let me tell you something. I know what it's like to be judged. <coughs> I don't like it. Because I've been judged a lot. For all kinds of reasons. Let me tell you something. It is not. But I also know what it's like to have someone who cares about me to share something in my life that needs correction. And I'm so thankful for that. But when it's done the right way, it has life. When it's done the wrong way, it has death. I want us to do it the right way. Can you say something out of that church? Amen. And so let's, let's examine ourselves first. Let's ask God to help us. And then, you know what? I think if we follow this pattern, I think we can, I think we can win. Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and moved to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at ALSC.us or download our app.